Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Trader Media Podcast. This is episode 222. So there's something currently big happening in the world of Hollywood and movie making that um, we would talk about this week, but we're kind of already late to the party because, you know, like as we were doing the podcast last week, like an hour or two after we, done, we were done recording, the writer's strike went into effect, and that's kind of been dominating everything else and by that point it's been a whole week so we're not going to talk about the writer strike as a news topic but in a roundabout way it's our main discussion this week writers are incredibly important to the filmmaking process they are the foundation in which everything is based if a movie is great the writing usually has a hand in it i will say not always but usually so this week we want to honor the writers of movies and TVs. We're going to go with our personal picks for our favorite or best lines from movies and TV. And this is going to be a lot of random eclectic stuff, but it won't be your usual, yeah. like, I've got a bad feeling about this type of Star Wars stuff. It's going to be, at least for me, it was lines that stuck with me or lines that I think were really well written, lines that made me just sit back and think about my own existence for a little bit after they were mm. delivered in movies and TV and Make me feel either happy or sad that I didn't come up with those lines first. But uh, before we yeah. get into all that, Josh, how you doing tonight? I am chilling like a villain, my dude. Uh, it has been a fantastic weekend and uh, now going into a somewhat busy week. So, you know, lots of lots of moving and grooving. Went to Chattanooga this past weekend for my birthday uh and went to like literally one of the coolest aquariums I think I've ever been to. Uh found a bookstore as always and bought more books. <laughs> so yeah man I'll, and i saw there's like this very little movie that's at it's not not a lot of people have seen this but there's a lot of just like a little movie that came out this past weekend that i got to see in imax which was like my first movie i've ever seen in imax so there's that really yeah so i saw guardians of the galaxy volume three this weekend in imax uh and opening weekend you, it's been a while yeah which is yeah that's little odd for me. I don't see things opening opening weekend very much Anymore. very often. Um most of that's just timing and stuff. But um yeah, saw that in theaters. Uh what a movie, man. I know I'm I I'm a little bit more hot on it than you are. Uh but that's also because that's I'm just like because yeah, very few people are hotter on it than you are. Uh, that's fair. It's because there's animals. I, I, I well that, not just that, but I there's I there's animal I, people. Like, I think I, I like I try, I texted you this. I was trying to remember the last time in a Marvel movie that I like was like laughing and crying at this in the same kind of movie. Um, I don't know if I've ever had a Marvel movie make me cry, let alone sob like this. This one did. So, really? Yeah, I, like legit, like glasses off, hand over the mouth, like, and you know exactly what part I'm talking about too. So it's like literally, I was. Yeah, such a good movie. Um, it is uh, some of the camera work mm, threw me off just a little bit, but like also some some of the best camera work in Marvel history. Like I just love that movie a lot. Honestly, I think Josh loves this movie so much because it's the closest he'll ever get to a live action Red Wall. <laughs> okay, no, 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 I, no. I, like, I, no, I see. Here's the thing. I, I think it is it is easy to write it off as that just because there are animals as made characters, but like name a time when uh name a Marvel movie, when the villain was as detestable as this one, one that like I legit wanted him to like see eat rocks. 
okay. Odd, yeah. Odd verbiage there. But see, as much as I really like Chuck Woody's performance as a high evolutionary, I put it in my own review. You can check it out on the channel here. Of His performance is great, but I don't know if it's I wanted this villain dead because he's a good character or because they went with, in wrestling terms, cheap heat. Like the lowest, like it's the yeah, e- it's the easiest fair. thing in the world to get you to hate this person for the actions in this movie. That doesn't make them compelling. The performance is great; it's still a great villain. But a lot of people are just like, "It's the best villain ever." I'm going, yeah, because they slap him with the cheapest heat in the world. He, it's like <laughs> literally taking candy from a baby type of levels of easy heat for this guy. Yeah, so I, I, like I think he's great, but I'm still kind of deciding of, do I think he's actually the best, or is it just because? It's the easiest way for me to hate someone. I mean, that's fair. That's a fair thing to bring up because there's a lot of things that he, a lot of lines, obviously, that they cross. This movie has a lot to say about or poses a lot of questions when it comes to animal cruelty and stuff like that. Um, I think I would agree that it's cheap heat if it was one moment. Um, I think because like, you know, that's the, the old, age old adage is if you want somebody to, to hate that some people, audiences to hate your villain, have them kick a dog or something like but like legitimately, I think the the reason I think to me, he uh, he I hate him so much is not because it is one moment of him like obviously treating animals with a lot of uh, I'm going to use the word disrespect, but I, that's not the, what I want to say, but like ill intent. Uh, ill intent it is the whole movie and it is not out of well i'm just angry and you happen to be here or i'm having a bad day so i kick you it's quite literally just kind of like how rocket sums it up and the the line is in the is in the trailer um he didn't want to make things perfect he just didn't like the way that things were and it's just i i like i think it says more about his character than it does anything else uh i agree that they absolutely do. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit they do dabble in some cheap heat kind of territory, but I think uh, the true heartbreak of, of the movie, I think is that the things that truly broke rocket were not necessarily his something that he was directly responsible for kind of technically. But so I mean, I, for. yeah, uh, you know, yeah, but it's, it's generally, I think easily top, top five, Marvel movies for me, super good. I, I was very impressed with it. Um, yeah, obviously. I think by and large, my family really enjoyed it. Um, not all of them were particularly high on it, and I think it's because of the really darker elements. Because this is a, definitely a very dark movie, especially if you're sensitive to certain things, especially animal treatment. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was good. Uh, I also watched uh, Adam Sandler's Hustle on Netflix. Really. I don't know. I just needed a movie to have on in the background while I was working on stuff. It's a good time. Does it feel just like a really big advertisement for the NBA? Oh, absolutely. Just like draft day in 2016. <laughs> uh, it also is kind of weird because it'll have professional basketball players in there like Dr. J and Shaq mm-hmm. as Dr. J and Shaq. And then it'll have Kenny Smith as a character, not as Kenny Smith. I'm just going, but, but you're Kenny Smith. Love it. We know Love you're it. Kenny Smith. Don't try to pretend you're somebody else. We know you could have just been playing Kenny Smith this time. It's weird. Um, honestly, it's probably one of the best Adam Sandler performances I've ever seen. He's just like naturally likable and charismatic in this movie. And mm. again, told Heather this before. I believe I've said it on the podcast. 
you have a healthy marriage relationship in a movie, I'm going to like it because mm. it's one of my biggest pet peeves movies is the husband and wife butt heads because that's what husband and wives do. I'm going, no, that's an old school boomer mentality. Like that. that's just, yeah. it's why as much as it's a weird thing to say, the Sonic movies, I think, have one of the best representations oh, of dude, marriage in a while. Of like James Morrison and his wife, like always on the same page. They have good communication. It was the same thing with Adam Sandler and Queen Latifah. Ironically enough, like they're the husband and wife couple, which at first you're just like, that's an odd pairing, but they work really well together. It's a likable movie. I I would watch it a few more times. It's not one of those like I need to rewatch it like a Moneyball, but mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. Granted, it's just a gigantic advertisement for the NBA. Uh, anything else you're reading or watching, Josh? <laughs> I, uh, uh, reading-wise, I just started uh, The Revenant, the book that the movie is ah, based off of. Um, and it is... <gasps> well, you know how Unbearable? the movie kind of like... The movie kind of like eases you into some stuff before give, getting to the bear attack, but uh, no, no, <laughs> the book is like, screw you. This is the reality of fur trappers in the old west. Get ready for it. Uh, it's it's very very well written, which actually is the thing that I think is surprising me the most. Um, watching wise, I before I went to Chattanooga. On May 4th, I watched seasons one and two of Visions. Um, and I, I texted you a little bit about it because I understand that, like, technically speaking, um, quote unquote, none of this is canon um, unless they do other stuff with it, which makes the Ronin from season one canon. It's it's weird. Uh, but there's some just from an if you just love animation you love to see directors and artists just do their thing and try different things um this is absolutely a series that you would love uh there is also some star wars ideas that they bring to the table that are just so unique and so interesting that it's kind of hard to believe that we haven't had them before um like that the the one that, that still sticks out to me is the one i texted you about that there's this sabersmith that literally makes he makes lightsabers that react to the force connection of the user so for example in the scene um there's a sith that has um guy that has one jedi then it's red in his hand jedi takes it from him using the force and then when it it lands in his hand it turns green it's just like really cool like stuff like that there's a character who like ignites one and doesn't necessarily have a strong force connection but has a good saber ability and so like hers is like clear for a little bit and then throughout the progression of the episode she gains color it was like oh it's just that's so cool like stuff like that I, i i just wish we found other ways to bring into live action for star wars Ah, interesting. Ready to get into the news, Josh? Let's do it, buddy. The past few weeks, it feels like we've been kind of low on movie news, but this week we've got a lot, and this one in particular makes me excited, but not the obvious part, not the part that I'm sure people are raging out about, because this is a multiple-parter, which was an, it wasn't originally intended that way, but it is now. Uh, James Gunn has come out and said that, yes, there will be certain members of the Guardians of the Galaxy cast in Superman Legacy, his upcoming Superman movie that he's writing and directing. So, you know, naturally, people just went into a tizzy just going, you're using the same actors over and over again. I'm like, guys, 
He's used the same actors for a lot of his career. But then again, so is every director. We're going to talk about Christopher Nolan yeah. here in a little bit. Once again, yeah. working with Killian Murphy. Like, But also, I think it's important to notice, he used a lot of actors that he worked with before, not from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Like, mm-hmm. um, Ratcatcher from the Suicide Squad is in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's mild spoiler alert. She's the pink-skinned girl. Really? That's Daniela Melchior. Huh. Okay, cool. And then naturally you have Nathan Fillion because it's yep. a it's a James Gunn movie. You get Sean Gunn once again, yep. but I guess he's a Sea Guardian's character. So, but he uses those characters sparingly. Like Josh was a perfect example, not even knowing that Daniel Melchior was in Guardians 3. Yeah. So I think he'll use these characters very sparingly. I have my picks for who some of them are. I don't think he's going to include everybody, but no, no. I, I've made a list of who I think would be perfect for certain characters, but there's another big part of this that makes me more excited because it's a, <laughs> it's a late breaking development that happened over the weekend. And it was almost like an accidental thing of Chris Pratt jokingly said something. And James Gunn's like, yeah, hey, yeah, that would, that would be cool. And he's just like, wait, you actually are using that character. He's like, well, I guess now we can say it. Uh, apparently James Gunn, <laughs> Apparently, James Gunn is using Crypto the Superdog in Superman Legacy, to which I stopped everything that I was doing. I showed that to Heather, and we freaked the crap out. Because Crypto is the bestest boy in the world at seeing how James Gunn treats animals. As we yes. talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 already, he treats animals well. Um, Just look at Cosmo. Cosmo is the bestest girl ever. Oh Cosmo. my gosh. Cosmo so is the best. one of the best side plots of the movie i love that so much i've loved the character of crypto for a while it's just one of those like under the radar characters that you don't need for superman but i i think it was nando v movies that brought up a really good point of the red trunks matter for a lot of people because the red trunks are symbolic of if you get that seemingly insignificant minor detail right then that means you care about the bigger picture and the bigger concepts i think crypto is a lot like the trunks of if you care and want to put in the little details it means you're putting in the time and effort to get the big details right um yeah also heaven forbid clark's allowed to have a friend with him um and also i think it was three c films a friend that's not in mortal danger all the time yeah a friend that could be just fine being thrown through a wall they'll kill you for it um yes also, I think it was uh, 3C Films that pointed out that, I don't know if you've read it yet, Josh, but Crypto plays a pretty decent role in the Supergirl comic arc, which is also I, getting adapted into a movie. Yeah, I have it right there, right there on my, my TBR list. I'm getting to it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's super cool. I There's there's a lot of... See, I <clears throat> where do I start with this? Because I think the idea that the, the Guardians cast could be in Superman or, or some of the Guardians cast could be in guardians us uh, in superman legacy uh is could be a lot of fun honestly there's a lot of uh, like who's it karen and i always forget her name the lady that plays um mantis, mantis. uh Pom yeah, they, they have both been on record as saying like they they just love working with gun they love because because of the way he directs and and, and you know kind of gives them direction and stuff like that which is says a lot about a director and to to a certain effect like that's why certain actors 
come back to Christopher Nolan or Wes Anderson because they love working with him and they love that style. And I don't see that as any different with uh, with James Gunn. Um, I definitely have some people that I would love to be certain characters uh, and, you know, we'll cross that boat if we ever get there. Uh, oh, we're getting yeah, there. Yeah. That, that, cr- the idea that like he's taking crypto seriously and being like, yo, yeah. Like why wouldn't we bring crypto in is perfect. I love it. Super excited. Um, it shows me at least that, uh, cause I don't really care about the rest of the DC fandom <laughs> I, and their opinions, you know, whatever, just make these movies for me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, like you said, James seems to understand that when it comes to these quote unquote godlike characters like Superman, getting these small details right makes all the difference. It's the difference between having a character that is unlikable, kind of you don't want to cheer for them to the to and doing those small, small details and making it so that like, yeah, like why wouldn't I cheer for this guy? Like this is Superman. Like, I feel like he'd come to my barbecue if I invited him kind of, kind of situation. So like, yeah, super down. Let's, let's, yeah. I'm very curious to see if that means that crypto like stays at the fortress of solitude, like he, like he does sometimes. I would love an or actual like good fortress of solitude. I would love an that actual functioning also, fortress. Also that. Yes. Which honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if James gives us that in the first go. So <laughs> I, I absolutely think it of, and I get what Zack Snyder is going for of just like his ship and whatnot. But the fact that the ship was in the middle of the city he does Superman yeah. needs a place away from it all. That's the point of the Fortress of Solitude. Um yes. Yeah, it, it's crypto. It just makes me happy because now we can actually have crypto being used in a good context in this situation. <laughs> and now you get a whole bunch of older people that go, What's what's a crypto? My 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 grandson tells me about this. <laughs> oh, uh, it's the Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, it's that thing. Um But I went ahead and looked at the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. And not everyone that was cast in this movie do I think is in it or I could think of someone for it. But there's mm-hmm. a handful of people that I was like, you know what? These would be perfect roles for these characters in Superman Legacy. So first up, Dave Batista with the most ob- most obscure, deep-cut character on this list today. And I don't care because it's the type of thing James Gunn would do. I think Dave Batista would be perfect for a character called Bibbo Babowski. Yeah. Yeah. Do you sure. know who that is, Josh? <laughs> no, no clue whatsoever. This I I am the 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 mainstream audience when they said Thanos. I have no clue who that is. So Bibbo <laughs> Babowski one has the most fun name in all of comics <laughs> that is to so say. Cool. Bibbo Babowski is this like big, huge hulking guy that runs his own bar that is like a popular hangout spot for Metropolis people who's also like Superman's biggest fanboy. So he was first introduced in the death of Superman comic arc if i remember correctly or maybe it was before that but basically he's like if jimmy olsen was an adult man bodybuilder who's like just super good friends with everybody he I looks up that. to superman <laughs> um just jacked out of his mind and also people are like batista would be great as bane i kind of just want him as like the nice friendly presence that he can yeah. be it would be some it would be completely out of left field because everyone's expecting this thing and we're like no no let him be a Superman fanboy. I think that could be fun. That yeah, uh, could be a lot of fun, yeah. Sean Gunn, 
just because of his previous work. I want Sean Gunn to be the motion capture for Parasite. Because uh, yeah, I don't hate that at all. I don't hate that at because all. Because he did the motion <laughs> capture for Rocket, and also James Gunn could just be like, "Oh yeah, I turned my brother into a parasite. Lifelong dream." <laughs> um, He's always sucking the life out of my my productions, anyway. Yep. <laughs> I guess you could say. He's a son of a gun. Oh, get out. Um, then I have Karen Gillan, also known as Nebula. I think she'd be perfect as Lana Lang, depending oh, on the okay, age I of our Superman. Behind that. Yeah. Because Lana's kind of weird. Of Lana, Karen's known for her bright orange hair. Lana's hair has changed colors many a times. Uh, yes. Annette O'Toole was redhead in Superman 3, then... Uh, Kristen Keurig was black hair in Smallville, and I believe in most of the comics she's black hair, but she's kind of non-determinant. Also, I just need Karen Gillan and more stuff. I know she's lobbying for Poison Ivy, which I also will not complain about. I do uh, not hate that idea. No. Uh, then we get Palm Clementiev, who is Mantis. It might be a little soon, because we just saw this character recently, and we'll see this character again in The Flash, but I think she'd be great as Feyora, General Zod's second in command okay yeah yeah let, yeah. Her, let her be a bad guy let her have fun with that i know some people could be like okay but she was in the suicide squad and going in a blank and you'll miss it moment no one's gonna care about that <laughs> i i i like that idea um i also kind of like the idea of her being uh i think it's mercy or the uh, lex luther's mercy um, graves would be great yeah mercy graves yeah, that could be so much fun. I like oh my that. Gosh. I also put her up for consideration for Lana Lang, too. Of yeah. Lana, Lana is malleable. You can kind of do whatever there. This is the other one, like Batista, that I'm just like, I don't care. I need this to happen. Michael Rooker needs to be Perry White, the head of the Daily Planet, because <laughs> rumpy yeah. old curmudgeon? That's just I don't Michael. Hate that. I don't hate that at all. <laughs> that's just Michael Rooker in a nutshell. Also, I saw this floating around on Twitter and I kind of completely agree of I can completely see James Gunn making Michael Rooker say great Caesar's ghost on camera. And if yes. that happens, I need a couple great Caesar's ghosts to be in this movie, please. It's that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause if you can get Michael Rooker to say I'm Mary Poppins y'all on screen, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he'd be, so, he, he would uh, be uh, against saying great Caesar's ghost. My uh, uh, last two. Chris Pratt's got to be here somewhere because <laughs> everyone's biggest fear is he's going to cast Chris Pratt as Superman, even though he's that openly said no. Yeah. I'm going to make happen. Chris Pratt a douchebag in this movie. <laughs> I think oh, they so like real life. Got it. Right. From everything we've heard, he's not a not, he's not a bad guy. He's just overexposed and in everything now yeah uh no i think he'd be great playing <laughs> he's the nickelback of he's the nickelback of actors right he now kinda is. <laughs> i hate it because like i i do have like there's like this like monkey in the back of my brain that loves nickelback and so like any, i'm like anytime a nickelback song They're comes really on it's like bad. yeah man i i was like i hate this this is nickelback screw that blah 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 and then by the end of the song i'm like yeah like singing along it's really Chris not Pratt that bad. is definitely that guy. Nah, Chris Pratt, I want him to play against type and play someone completely different than what audiences are used to him. So I want him to play the douchebag Steve Lombard, who works at the Daily Planet that's always hitting on interns. Like that skeezy, like, douchebag <laughs> alpha male. Yeah, I kind of really are... want that to be Chris Pratt. You are pulling some deep cuts for these. Like this, but like, again, this is James Gunn we're talking about. So like, 
you i guarantee like these characters are he's already like okay who who i need somebody play that person i need some like yeah that's definitely in his his trade of thought now by and large i've stuck to bit parts but last i'm gonna go for a big one here because i think bradley cooper would be perfect as lex luther because i want the approach of the only people that see lex as anything bad are the people that work at the deadly planet everyone else in metropolis loves this guy and seems to think that Lex is the greatest and most kind human in the world. Everyone loves Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper has this charm to him that I can absolutely see for Lex. I don't think that he's going this route at all. But if we're sticking with the, you have to use Guardians actors in your Superman movie. I think Bradley Cooper could be a skeezing scumbag that portrays himself as a good guy really, really well. I kind of want a Lex with a lot of charm and a lot of charisma. Not full-on Michael Rosenbaum, because that's his own incarnation. Fun fact, Michael Rosenbaum is also in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, but, yeah, I see Bradley Cooper as a really good Lex. They won't go that route, but I think it could be fun. I kind of want that a lot now. <laughs> like, I just, I, I want more Bradley Cooper. Like, I, you know, big fan of Silver Linings playlook, Playbook, so I, I know he can play subtle. What was that I cooking movie that he-, he did? oh um burn burn or burnt yeah yeah he can dude the acting ability is absolutely there so i yeah why not absolutely get get him to be lex Luthor. um yeah palm palma's mercy i think is my main one i like that Um, one better yeah just her especially if they go the route where mercy has like robotic arms and stuff like that where that she can turn into guns and ah yeah that would that'd be so cool i'd be so down for that (laughs) next up we have our first trailer for Dune. Why this didn't debut at CinemaCon or like released at the same time as the CinemaCon footage, I have no idea. But we have our first look at Dune 2 or Dune Part 2. And I'll be straight up. This is just a direct response to all those people that are saying, the first Dune was kind of boring. I.e. me. I'll openly acknowledge that I thought the first <laughs> Dune was very dull and absolutely just setting the stage. Like it was still entertaining, I do think it left off in a really weird spot and all oh, the, yeah. Yeah, the book yeah, yeah. nerds are going, but it's the perfect place to leave off according to the book. I'm going, we're not used to looking at this as a book. We're looking at this as a two-part movie. And I thought it was a weird way to end the first movie. Um, first one was fine. I know Josh is much higher on it than I was. Oh, that yeah. being said, dude, this trailer is so cool. Uh, it's so stinking cool. I'm already seeing some <laughs> some criticism from some diehard Dune fans of just like, well, this character is represented weird, particularly Austin Butler's character. They're just like, yeah. um, why does he kind of look like everyone else? He's not handsome enough. Supposedly that character is supposed to be like the really, really good looking, like deceptively evil type character as opposed to every other Harkonnen in the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which made sense why they cast some Butler. Just like, ah, uh, yes, he seems like a nice, handsome young fellow, and then he'll bust out his Elvis accent, and you'll wish he was never been born. Um, <laughs> and then he can't ditch the accent, apparently, because Elvis is always with him. Um, that is, okay, as someone who grew up in the South, it is really hard. It just sneaks up on you. There's not, not much you can do about it. Uh, yeah, no, I love this trailer. <laughs> like literally, like I think I I I saw it once and was like, like sat there in my chair, like what? <sighs> okay, well, and then like watched it like three more times. <laughs> like I'm super. St- I definitely am more 
hyped on the first one than you are. It's in like my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Love it. Uh, but this was like, gosh, dude, it's going to be so cool. Like this, the battles are going to be bigger. The, I just I'm so excited to see where we go because I have intentionally not read the book, even though okay, I, have, I was going to ask you if you've read the book. Yeah, I have. I have two copies of Dune, and I you have haven't read either one. Yeah, okay. I just got the second one, but I, the, the, the one first copy I got, the second one's Messiah, the, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I like the second copy because oh. so the, the first copy I got is a really, really nice, beautiful copy, and I was like, I don't want to ruin like the shape of the book by by reading it and so i bought i, just, I literally this weekend bought another <laughs> bought another copy so that i can read it and then get read the rest of the series but um yeah i as someone who's not read the books i and i've intentionally done so i'm think i'm gonna hold off reading dune until uh at least the end of, at least you know the end of this movie just so i can go in surprised um it's kind of funny watching to me, at least to me to watching dune diehard book diehard people being like well actually it's like guys like this i understand this is your time in the sun but like and i understand dune is like a pretty big deal in the uh sci-fi book space but um chill out <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't look any cooler than like star trek people being like well actually like stop Just well stop. except unlike star trek this movie was actually profitable. Also true. <laughs> Primarily because it had a big enough budget and was able to compensate for it. I love the new Star Trek movies, but you do not need to make them as expensive as you did. Um, yeah, Dune fans, like any other sci-fi fans, can be a bit picky. I just really wish the internet was around when that first Dune movie came out. Dude. To see them complain about that, just going, what is this? Because I see clips from that original movie and going, what is this? Like, <laughs> yes. It looks looks like interesting choices. And from everything we heard, that production was just a nightmare. Um, but yeah, this gives me just enough of a tease. Like, it kind of gives me some idea, but not enough, which I think is a good thing. I don't need to know yeah. the whole story. It's not like, um, what was it, that George Foreman movie that's coming out that literally just gives you the G- entire you the movie. Yeah. I'm just going, this, this movie actually doesn't look that bad. But I feel like I just watched the entire movie. Um, yeah. But this seems vague enough. It gives you some teases of like, yes, Josh Brolin is still alive. I'm going, cool. Thanks for answering that because he does just kind of disappear in the first one. Yes, um, he does. But I'm, maybe it's just because I remember some of the castings, but then we cover a lot of movie news. Some of it just goes in one ear and out the other. And I kind of forget about it after a week. I'm so glad that they continued the trend of just casting the best possible people that they can find, like they did with the first one. In addition to the great cast we had for the first one, minus, you know, Oscar Isaac. Bye. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. You get you get Florence Pugh. She's so hot right now. Um, you get, honestly. Literally. Yes. Um, you get probably one of the more underrated actresses working today with Leia Seydoux, who was in the Jace Bond movies. She was in one of the Mission Impossible movies. She's she's been everywhere. Um, and then you get Austin Butler in this movie. I feel like there's some other characters that I was like, which is it's okay. So funny story. I'm literally just now putting the pieces together that the that character is Austin Butler is played. Really? By Austin Butler. I did. It was one of those I saw him and was like, I know that face from somewhere. Where do I know that face? Austin and, and like, Ali. 
yeah I, I, now that you were like austin, uh, uh, austin butler i was like oh yeah that is him okay cool uh, so uh, to me i think that says a lot that i didn't initially like go oh yeah that's austin uh, just kind of like there is hard as it is to have characters in the in this world it's nice that we can have people who are like fairly common names right now and not into at least to me and not go right off the bat go oh that's that guy that's that person so uh, no matter what you say like dune part two is going to be so hype (laughs) so we moved from one big trailer to like a trailer that dropped like a day after the dune 2 trailer and boy i'm sure the trailer company was really hoping they could have released before the dune one because Maybe it's just because all the memes are around the Barbie movie instead, or maybe just because the new trailer is better. I saw zero hype for this trailer after a drop. Like, no one was talking about it. No one was really sharing it. I saw it barely on any of my socials after it dropped for the new Christopher Nolan movie, Oppenheimer. And all right, let's just get it out of the way now. If no one's talking about it, this movie is going to... Bomb! Yay! (laughs) Like, I just love... This movie's more for the memes than anything else, but not in a good way. Like, Mm -hmm. I I genuinely think Barbie's going to make more money. So, this movie has a ridiculously stacked cast. But from the get-go, I've never really been interested in the story of this movie. I'm just like, cool, the guy that built the atomic bomb. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. I yeah. I thought, okay, Nolan could tell good stories, or at least before Inception he could. And then after that, everything's just kind of been fine. Like, let's face it, people. Nolan is not the name that he used to be. Dark Knight Rises, Josh's all-time favorite movie. It's... I will smack my head into a pencil. <laughs> no, that's the Dark Knight. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, my bad. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Flawed, but it was... Not his best. Interstellar, flawed, but not his best. Dunkirk, flawed, but better than the previous two, but still not his best. Tenant, some people would make the case that that's his worst movie yet. So, like, that's kind of been his post-Inception track record. Has he peaked? I won't go that far, but I needed this trailer to be amazing to win me over as to why I should see this as opposed to Barbie opening weekend or why I should care about this movie besides it having a stacked cast. And I'll be honest... The trailer does not do that for me. This trailer is kind of bland. It kind of seems like the perfect Father's Day movie, if that makes sense, of like an inferior version of like the founder or Ford v. Ferrari of a movie you'll take your dad to see one week and they'll be like, ah, yes, I saw the special on the History Channel once. I'm glad to see they're making a movie of it. Like, yeah, it, it, I get that the cast is stacked, but it doesn't look as interesting as it potentially could be and also hokey isn't usually a word that i throw around christopher nolan movies but there is absolutely a spot in this trailer that i audibly went oh that comes across a little hokey and it's when um killian murphy and matt damon are talking to one of the scientists and matt damon's like we're talking about the end of the world and i'm going I don't know if that was a Matt Damon call or a Christian Nolan call, but that line delivery came off so wonky. Um, and then you get the whole like pretentious, some of this is going to take place in black and white and some of this is going to be in color. I'm going, cool. Just, <laughs> just why, man? Uh, Josh, were you higher on this movie trailer than I was? 
No, nah, dude, not at all. Like I, 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 I know it's our job to talk about, you know, these, these trailers, but um, gosh, man, like, like you said, so bland. So eh, I, I, it's really tough because in general, making a movie about the guy that, that quote unquote, the guy that makes the atomic bomb, it's even though it's a team of people. Um, exactly. Uh, at the height of the world war it that is a very tough topic to talk about in general it's like kind of it's why i'm always uncomfortable about uh, around holocaust movies um like it's a tough topic to bring up because it's an actual event now i hear you people yes guys that's what film does that is what cinema does it's like okay whatever but like you know it has these important conversations about these tough topics i get it however when you're talking about a bomb that legitimately decimated an entire country when you're talking about a an event in history that yes changed everything and some would argue not for the better uh and then you're going to show this trailer and have no no one questioning the morality of anything. And they're just like, nah, dog, we're just going to make a bomb that kills millions of people because war, because it's the end of the world. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I wish and maybe maybe this is this is definitely like a, a, a level of hindsight's 2020 when it comes to history and some uh, some maybe some revisionist history maybe happening in my mind. But like, I wish that this movie at least has a and maybe you know what that's what it is that's what makes this this trailer strike no notes whatsoever is it does feel like a documentary that you would see on netflix it does feel like something that is just reporting the facts it has no actual conversation to have with the audience there's no moral question there's no uh, uh ethical question nothing it's just hey this is what happened isn't that cool guys? And I don't want to go sit in, I don't want to go sit in a theater and see that for, I don't, you know what he dropped like two for three hours dog. I will sit on my couch and watch it. If I watch this movie, here's the thing. It's just an issue. That's kind of always followed Christopher Nolan's career. Um, it first started as a joke, but then as movies progressed, people kind of noticed this trend. And then I noticed it post the dark Knight trilogy and it still factors into the dark Knight trilogy, but not as much. Christopher Nolan, I think, struggles with protagonists that you will care about. Almost mm. all of his protagonists are some, like, emotionally cold and distant character mm. that doesn't always reflect on the morality of the situation. That's kind of why Batman was perfect for him, because it's an emotionally cold and distant character that's very yes. black and white. But as great as Inception is... Cobb is not necessarily, I would think, the most interesting character to me. Like, Leo puts a really great performance in there, but fundamentally, the character doesn't have a lot of depth to him, I don't think. Agreed. Again, Matthew McConaughey, great performance. I don't think that character is necessarily the most interesting. Heaven forbid, Tennant literally has the character's name, the protagonist. Like, I think that kind of shows you where Christian Nolan's mindset is of just... I'm going to put my self-insert character. I mean, this character that I've written into the story mm -hmm. here, because 
Christopher Nolan plays an emotionally distant character that's trying to get back to his family. Hmm, interesting. That always has an estranged relationship with their spouse character. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's there's the thing. There's no anchor here. There's no character that I feel like I'll gravitate towards or care. Like Killian Murphy, who is a phenomenal and one of the most underrated actors working today. He Agreed. never puts a bad Agreed. performance. I feel like he just doesn't not. Killian Murphy, but the character of Robert Oppenheimer just doesn't care in this movie. Like, it's just... It's just whatever. Like, I don't get the sense that any character in this I will gravitate towards or care about. And who knows? Maybe it's just this trailer. Maybe we're being too harsh on it. But I've been on the fence for a while about this movie. And I think Paramount really wants this movie to do well. Because this is the first movie that Paramount has worked with Christopher Nolan after his very public breakup with Warner Brothers. They really want this deal to pay off for them. Um, Mm -hmm. We joke. I don't want this movie to bomb. But it actually genuinely might get blown away by Barbie. I mean, yeah. But like, and I, I hate that. Now there will be this discourse between the two films. Now there's going to be like, well, obviously people just like seeing popcorn films over, over, you know, popcorn movies as opposed to films and cinema. It's like, I don't think that's the conversation here. Uh, Barbie just seems to a have a mass appeal. B be a more, it seems like it's going to be more entertaining and Oppenheimer, especially after this first trailer doesn't seem to have anything interesting to say. Next up, we get some very interesting casting that I was never going to guess in a million years. But we have found our Johnny Cage for Mortal Kombat 2 in Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Dread, Red, and many other projects, Pitch Black, you know, his crowning achievement, Pitch Black, Carl Urban. And y'all... I was stunned when I saw this, primarily because Carl Urban has never been like the biggest name actor in the world. He's I always joke that he's the forever bridesmaid but never a bride of like he can never kind of get the starring role and stuff, but when he does, he's mm-hmm. phenomenal in it. Dread is amazing. But I thought he would be out of the price range for the Mortal Kombat sequel. Just because the first one, while I didn't love it, it was clearly a mid to lower budget movie like the effects and everything still looked great but in terms of the actual cast they clearly did not spend the money on the cast because they went with lesser known people that they could put more of the budget to the special effects so i didn't think carl urban at all for johnny cage because i figured that would be out of their price point it's why i was on the cast the miz for johnny cage train for so long Mm -hmm. one because Mm -hmm. the miz is just johnny cage in wwe he's He's an okay actor, but he's that character to a T. But also, you can get him for cheap. And I figured that's what they're going with. And if you didn't get the miss, apparently Cody Rhodes is also auditioning for that role. Which, which I, don't, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all, actually. Yeah, he could. I think he could be a good Johnny Cage, too. He's probably a better actor than the Miz, but Miz probably, probably plays a better douche. But that being said... I'm not complaining about this in the slightest because Carl Urban, you put Carl Urban in just about anything and I will see it. I watched all of Almost Human on Fox. Thanks, Fox, for canceling it after one season. That show was surprisingly good. I'm just more baffled at going, oh, you're actually spending 
money on legit actors this time because so many people were casting like a Ryan Reynolds or a Liam Hemsworth in this role. I'm going, y'all, they don't have infinite cash. Yeah. Carl Urban was probably going to be the most recognizable name in this. But that's the point that I've seen some people bring up, and it's an interesting point to discuss. Carl Urban isn't inherently young anymore. And Johnny Cage typically is, like an early 30s douchebag, mm-hmm. like an alpha male. So is this like an older Johnny Cage? And we might get some younger, like we have gotten in, what was it, Mortal Kombat 10, Mortal Kombat 11. One of them, we get like an older and a younger Johnny Cage. Yeah. It's it's interesting that we're going with an older actor. As much as The Miz is like late 30s, early 40s, he still has a young, punchable looking face. So I think The Miz could still work. I think Carl Urban's great. Just shocked more than anything else at this casting, though. Yeah, no, I, I, to me, I think it tells me that they are going to try to do something a little different with uh, uh, Mortal Kombat Two. Uh, I think, if anything, they learned some lessons, maybe from the first one. Um, Make it an actual they, tournament this time. Yeah, I'd do an actual tournament, but like, it also makes more sense for a how do you say this a actor who is kind of not as big as he used to be to be more willing to hey if i was given an opportunity to quote unquote get back in the spotlight uh yeah then i'm gonna take that so i can totally see him as an older johnny cage carl urban presenting this like character who you know was in the spotlight for so long he was at the top of the game he was you know highly sought after as an actor as an action star for so many much of his life but he is no longer in that part of his life and so the tournament looks more like a something much less like oh this will be something to do but much more of a almost i want to use this the phrase like redemption but like yeah like hey i want to see if i still got it like to to me that that makes more sense than having like a young Johnny Cage who's at the top of his game. Well, it also works because and here's where you get our once again our six degrees of movie separation. Yeah, it could be you said redemption, like the raid redemption, or as the Americans call it, dread. <laughs> I'm sorry, they they came out around the same time, and no, dread did not steal from the raid redemption. It actually went into production before the raid redemption, but uh. They also are movies from two separate sides of the planet. Um, Like, so there's that, I guess. But yeah, no, I I think this is a great choice. Anytime you can give me more Carl Urban, I'm here for it. I've seen some people kind of say, but Sonya Blade is so much younger than Carl Urban, to which I kind of agree because Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade always have some form of on again, off again relationship in the games. I'm not going to pretend to be a Mortal Kombat expert. I've played enough of the games, but. Um, Tyler might actually more know more than I do when it comes to Mortal Kombat. I do That's think it's hilarious. interesting. It's yeah. I, again, I'm still just kind of sitting back on. You did it. You guys actually did it. You got an actor I've heard of. Um, and I mean <laughs> I've heard of some of the guys that they got for like um Sub Zero and Scorpion in the last movie. Which mm-hmm. just give those guys more time. Don't give what's this f- stupid douche face. Um. Who's the who's the guy that didn't actually need to be in the movie at all? The audience stand in. Can we just kill him in the opening round by having Goro rip his arms off for revenge? Like, we don't need him. You could have just had a different character that is an actual Mortal Kombat character. 
like I was about to say, uh, the one from the original movie that was kind of our audience standing, but then they'd just be repeating the original movie. Just bring in more of the characters from the game and utilize mm. them a little better. Um, and make it an actual tournament. That's all, really. <laughs> Your fights were good, but you could have used more of them and more fatalities. I want my carnage and blood, please. <laughs> yeah, Mortal Kombat should be rated R. I don't see a reason why it shouldn't be. Um, outside of like, oh, we want to sell this to more people. Okay, cool. But like, also the audience that played the games, that that's the reason they played the games. So, whatever. Lastly, for our news this week, uh, a surprise to be sure, but I think a welcome one, I think. Uh, and that is that we're getting another new Blair Witch movie. Now, whether this is a continuation or a reboot, I'm not entirely sure. But Josh and I have a bit of a complicated history when it comes to the mm-hmm. Blair Witch as a franchise. Uh, the first one I saw was the reboot, the 2016 version, just called Blair Witch. Um, By and large, I think it's just a slightly below average, just kind of okay found footage movie until you get to the last 20 minutes, in which case you were absolutely crapping yourself the entire time. That is genuinely one of the few times that a horror finale nails it. I think a lot of times horror movies, the first two thirds are scary, and then they kind of like, overdo the scares and trying to make this big epic finale that the last third of a horror movie ends up not being as scary as yeah, the rest of the movie because that's scary. where that's where the, your conclusion is you have to wrap stuff up and actually have to focus on the story uh but no the blair which is the exact opposite is the most terrifying at the end then i went back and watched the original one from 1999 which definitely i think does scare me but not for the reasons that you would think like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like paranoia and whatnot of like the Blair Witch is out there somewhere. That that doesn't scare me at all. It's these characters slowly losing their minds and not knowing where they are in the sense of dread and feeling utterly and hopelessly lost in the middle of nowhere. That I felt that tension and stress. That was actually scary. And then uh, an often overlooked aspect was the Blair Witch video game that supposedly was mm. pretty good. Uh, I have not yes, played that, weird. but I- I've heard both good and bad things about it. So I think there's a lot of potential here, whether it's a continuation of the 2016 one or heaven forbid, it's a reboot of Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, you know, Mm. that movie that only diehard horror fans and people that watch film, quote unquote, criticism on YouTube are familiar with. Uh, (laughs) As a person that's more casual to Blair Witch, are you excited for more? You just kind of whatever here, Josh. Um, I, I think I really... I like the idea of Blair Witch. I really do. I love, uh, there is like a kind of a niche love I do have for found footage. I think if done correctly can be very compelling and pretty terrifying, honestly. Um, the, yeah, the, the 2016 Blair Witch was my uh, first, you know, interaction with that as well. Uh, and I also, you know, enjoy, I felt like it built okay. And then that last 20, 30 minutes is absolutely terrifying and some still to this day some of the scariest stuff i've seen in in film um without actually also seeing much either which is really really interesting as well um as far as is if this is a sequel or remake or whatever i'm fine with it do uh like blair witch i think is it is a very interesting character um and i feel like there's some 
there's gotta be like some better ways to, uh, to tell that story and to make the build better. Uh, because I mean, I, I don't think, I think the question I'd ask you is, do you want to have this still as a found footage? Do you try to change it a bit and do it as a more quote unquote traditional horror movie or like, do you just give it to a really, really competent director and go the, the found footage route? So, found footage is tricky because the biggest issue with found footage, I think, is explaining why it's found footage. Yes. And very few movies actually do it successfully. Like, I think The Visit, surprisingly, does it well of, hey, I'm a film student. I want to film everything. Okay. Um, same thing with Blair Witch. Actually, now I think about it, the original. Probably did it first. Um what I would do with this, and I really do want another one, and I'm th- now that I'm thinking about it, I'm getting some ideas for it. Kind of follow the template that you did for the game. Of You don't really need a mm. big cast for this. Just have like one, maybe three people, you know, just like the original. Better yet, make it only one person, and sporadic other characters occasionally show up, and you don't know if they're real or not. Um, but there is a fan film that I will always go back to of more movies should be like this. It's a Friday the 13th fan film called Never Hike Alone. Uh, basically it's a quasi found footage slash somewhat actually shot like dude that is supposed to be an outdoor backpacking and outdoorsy type of logger and he accidentally stumbles upon Camp Crystal Lake and he has to like basically survive Jason. And honestly, it's the best Friday the 13th movie that they've ever made. It's so good. I would kind of do the exact same thing, except put Blair Witch in it. Of like, maybe one person or a group of people are just like, we're gonna go backpacking, a la the ritual. Um, maybe they're going out to escape or like the Evil Dead remake. We're going up to the woods to to cleanse the system of like detox type of thing, and then yeah. do it like the Evil Dead of because you're in withdrawal. Is this real? Am I losing my mind, or is it actually the witch? Uh, I think there's some interesting stories to tell here. I would keep it found footage just because found footage, the way we're able to shoot stuff has drastically improved over the years with like handheld cameras and GoPros and whatnot. Uh, And also people I think have gotten better at how to do found footage. There's that great one last year called Deadstream. It's a horror comedy, Mm. but that still was incredibly effective with its scares and its humor. I think we've only gotten better with how to shoot stuff for found footage. And I think there's still enough, there's still enough gas in the tank here and there's enough brand recognition to tell more Blair Witch stories. So I, I would take it back to the original roots of only have a couple mm. of characters, never fully show the witch. Don't make this an origin of the Blair Witch type of story. Um, no, just call it the Blair Witch, just the Blair Witch. no, I know the other one was called what Blair Witch Project or just Blair Witch. Just call this one the Blair Witch, and have the balls to make it a prequel like the Vavitch. <laughs> but it's it, ooh, I, it's yeah. found footage. It's found. It's not found footage, but it's like POV type, but set in like the nineteen twenties or thirties, sometime earlier. Maybe like the first time that she kills. No technology like whatsoever. That. Yeah, no technology and all that. That could be really, really interesting. Uh, and like I, I, I like you know that found footage is capable of being really, really good. Um, you know, as above, so below is one of the best, one of my favorite horror movies. Um, does found footage really, really well? Uh, I, I can see it. I'm okay with it still being modern. Um, I do think going the direction that the game does would be very, very, very smart. Having it, this guy who's going through a lot, um, 
he is helping people search for this girl that who's lost in the woods. And then he gets caught by the witch and gets, you know, his brain starts changing and stuff like that. So like, I, I, I think there's a lot of interesting ways to go to fold the story in. I don't think you need to go all the way to do a prequel. I don't think you need to do a, I definitely think you don't need to do a remake. As per usual, this week's episode is sponsored by TeePublic, your one-stop shop for all things Uncharted Media merch, uh, whether it's t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo or other fantastic designs. And if you haven't already, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe on YouTube. Help us get to 1,000 subscribers. Now, let's talk best movie lines. And we're talking about mm. movies and TV, primarily because we have like a couple TV ones that we're just like, we have to throw these into the honorable mentions category here. Uh, we also try to avoid the usual stuff of like, I asked you guys on our socials of like, what's your favorite movie quote? I'm pretty sure none of those are ones we'll talk about here. Yeah, because, probably not. <laughs> and we're not trying to be like, we're not trying to be like, oh, we're trying to be hipsters. It's just like, these are the ones that stood out to us the most. And we're trying to make this discussion in honoring of the writers that create this stuff as, you know, they need to actually be paid well. Um, mm-hmm. So this is more of an acknowledgement of the lines themselves being good. So I kind of tended to focus on how well the line is written and the context in which it's presented, as opposed to just how iconic are they? Like, did these lines really stick in my brain? And by and large, I st- try to stick to like one-off lines, not like full-on monologues, but I do have one or two actual speeches but by and large i try to stick to like not quips but yeah one to two sentence type things yeah yeah i'm about the same i i i think i tried to stay away from full monologues oh there there's gonna be a we couple have done that there. episode yeah that uh, there will be one or two that i bring up that's uh yeah it's gonna be hard to not talk about that that the that particular monologue in this context um but yeah i tried to stay away from um like one-liners like may the force be with you cool it's a cool line but really has no real context so it's just kind of like a see you later or a hi hello whatever kind of kind of sentence so um i did i also kind of tried to have stuff that has a lot of meaning stuff that has stuck with me um there's a few that i'll bring up because of the their place in in society yeah i was gonna (laughs) say i have some that are only on my list because of how Frequently, they are either said within my family or my day-to-day life of just mm-hmm. going, ah, this is an indelible mark. Uh, so I have three TV ones and then a whole bunch of movie ones. Like, I don't have a ton of TV. Uh, <laughs> do you have more TV than movie stuff? Ooh, not, 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 uh, is it about like no. a 50-50 split? What, what no, is it? Yeah, it's it's a pretty, pretty 50-50 split. I All mean, because right. like, you know, you know me, man. Like, I like i've got one from scrubs one from mash i've got a handful of west wing and of course a handful of uh uh, flea bag ones as well when it comes to the tv all right then since you got more tv you kick us off then okay um scrubs for you both you and i scrubs is one of our favorite tv shows of all time um it's a shame we never got a season nine so anyway, uh, <laughs> I um, it is really really hard to to go in and 
pick up pick a quote from the entire show there's a lot of really really good ones uh there's a lot of really really good jokes um the one i picked just to kind of have it i i saw it and was like i was filled with memories of all of uh all, a lot of jokes. Uh, it's the scene where um, they're looking at x-rays and there's that uh, light bulb in the kid's butt. And Dr. Cox is like, either the, this kid has this kid has a light bulb up his butt or his cola's got a great idea. Like, this is so, oh, it's such so a good, good line that they put it in like all the advertisements because they knew it yes. was a good line. It's such a good line. And they, like that, that show in general is littered with lines like that that are just chef's kiss. So good. Um. Let's see. There's a lot. Yeah, I was about to say, there's a lot of Scrubs lines that you could probably yeah. throw in there. And not not necessarily just the, the sappy ending episode lines. Although I do appreciate that one episode where JD is like gone for almost the entire episode and other mm-hmm. people are narrating. And at the end, he's just like, and it's like the, how they always wrap up with Grey's Anatomy, some vague, mildly unrelated sentence. And the way things were, we're always never going to be the same again because of the events that have transpired today and of all days. And it's like so generic and doesn't apply to anything yes. at all. You're just going, ah, so you in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> they do it all the time. But like, there's also like the, I, like I, the, uh, the one that still gets to me, even though I know what's happening in the episode is when JD turns to Cox and is like, hey, like, why do you think we're here? at this park like why do you think like like when they revive when it's revealed that ben is actually dead and it was like oh my gosh still gets me so good um yeah scrubs is great very incredibly well written um what else you got what do you got what's one for tv uh i'll go with something akin to scrubs but i'm a bigger fan of this even more so than scrubs just because i think it's consistently better Scrubs had its hit or miss seasons. My all-time favorite TV show by a landslide, Psych. Psych. Now I had to, I had to narrow it down. And just like there's a lot of lines from Psych. That, yeah. That I say Psych way too is much. so well written. Yeah. Of uh, and the thing is, Psych is a lot like Clue. Of there's so many jokes that you will not catch because the dialogue flies by so fast. Mm. Um, there's one that's just like. Sean is so confident that he's like solved it and so they're like doing the happy dance and last he comes around the corner Spencer we found Prince was rocking the purple rain under the pale moonlight finger <laughs> Prince and I'm going that's good that's good but no um, my favorite will always be either uh, Gus don't be insert whatever Gus don't be a gooey chocolate chip cookie Gus don't be this crevice in my arm um, or the one that I came up with that they always should have used, but they never did. Gus, don't be the Molina brother. No one remembers because <laughs> there's Yachty who played for the Cardinals, Benji who played for the Giants. Both of them won the World Series, and then I think his name was Jose. Was the wow. third one? I think. <laughs> uh, but no, my actual best line of all time from Psych that I hmm. If I have one of many character flaws, it's that I use this line too often. I've heard it both ways. Like, <laughs> you, you can't be wrong if you say, I've heard it both ways. And that line is applicable <laughs> in way too many situations. I agree. I agree. 
Gosh, man, I I really should do a rewatch. Of There's some it people is so good that I keep telling so they need to see that show because y'all, if you ever want to know about me as a person or understand my humor <laughs> or my personality, you will understand so much by watching Psycho. Going ah, that's why he is the way he is, and I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, a little bit on a little bit more serious serious note. Excuse me. Um, MASH is one of those shows I watched a lot in college. And it is known. It is known for fantastic speeches and you know these one or two lines off. Um one like one of them is uh off the title. It's not the one I have, but um, you know, what's the difference between like war and hell? You know, people hell is where all the bad people go, but there's no innocent bystanders in hell wars chocked full of them and i was like oh gosh okay um the one that gets that i still think about all the time though is um uh it's my the character if you don't have you never watched mash uh, the character's name is henry blake uh he's a little good look all i know is that they taught me is all i know is what they taught me at command school there are certain rules about a war and rule number one is young men die and rule number two is doctors can't change rule number one i was like oh no, like for a show that has a recurring character in drag, like it is, they deal with, obviously it's a show about doctors in the Vietnam war. So yeah, they're going to deal with some heavy stuff, but like, God, it is, the, the, it goes hard, especially in the earlier seasons. So it's only a matter of time before I bring it up. Superman and Lois is one of the best written shows on TV today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got quite a few of them. Um, obviously one of them is my favorite line from the entire show, but I got to put an asterisk on it because it, it's originally from the comic. They completely lifted it from the comic, but it's when in a pilot episode, he saves a kid from being crushed by a car and he returns the hat to the kid and the kid's like, cool costume. Thanks. My mom made it for me. And to me, that one line alone sums up all of Superman's persona. But putting that aside, there's some other ones that I'm just like, okay. This is from a CW show? Like, really? Like, I forget what episode it was, but it was, what can you say about leaving a place you loved? You hope it made you who you are, challenged your beliefs, pushed you out of your comfort zone, and gave you the strength to demand better. So you're prepared for what's to come. And I'm going, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, but the one that was going, this, that's how you sum it up in a nutshell, besides the thanks my mom made it for me is, He's this world's first and greatest hero, but I want you to know that he's an even better man. To which I'm going, mm. oh, mm. let's oh. go, <laughs> y'all. I don't know how much longer Superman and Lois is gonna have a life just because of like CW going to Next Star and the DC shakeup. I want it to go on for as long as it possibly can if it stays at the quality that it's at. But it's mm. it's so hard for me to believe that it's a CW show, especially this season with how it's handled its whole, handled its whole cancer storyline so beautifully. There's one whole episode where there's no Superman at all and it's just family stuff and it's just as good as everything else. But yeah, that show is written so incredibly well. Um, but my last of my TV stuff, I only have one other one and it's probably my favorite line from any anything TV and it's probably up there for my favorite line, period. Sherlock had some brilliant writing yes. when it wanted to. Not always. We saw season three and season four. 
But the season two finale, when it's Sherlock and Moriarty facing off, Dude. you could put that whole episode as brilliantly written. Um, no, no, you're ordinary. Uh, but my favorite line from the whole episode that has stuck with me, there's two. Every fairy tale needs a good old-fashioned villain, but the real kicker is, no, you're on the side of the angels. I may be on the side of the angels, but don't think for one second that I am one of them. And I'm going, oh, that is that's such a good line. Like, it, really it sums up that Sherlock and Moriarty dynamic so well. But that, oh, the problem is the season two finale was the first Sherlock episode I ever watched. So what? what is wrong with you? Because <laughs> it was just on on a Sunday afternoon on BBC. So it was probably that fair, original airing. Fair. So I was just like, that was amazing. I can't wait to see what happens next week. Mm. Three years, years later, later. <laughs> we still didn't get any information. It just kind of cop out. Um, now, Sherlock used to have some brilliant writing. Um, and then season four happened and Sherlock has yeah. an evil sister that we never heard about but almost anything from the sherlock moriarty um or like what was it falling is like flying except with a little bit more of a permanent destination and i'm going yeesh <laughs> yeah the f- the first season especially is so just like anytime sherlock goes in his little monologues and explaining how he knows certain things so good so good um also one of the show that I rewatched a lot with West Wing. Um, I, I'll just, I had like five quotes and I was like, no, no, no. All right. I'm going to knock it down to two at least. So, cause I could see here, there's so many good lines in, in West Wing. I mean, it's, it's Andy. Uh, I think Andy Sorkin wrote it. Aaron so like, Sorkin. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin. Sorry. And so it's, yeah, pretty snappy dialogue because, um, I think, but two of my favorites are uh, uh, no, however, just be wrong. Just stand there in your wrongness and be wrong and get used to it. So good. Uh, or uh, the one that, that honestly resonated a lot with me was, and I have, it has meant different things to me through the years. Um, we hold these truths to be self evident. They said, and that all men are created equal strange as it may seem that, that that was the first time in history that anyone had ever bothered to write that down. Decisions are made by those who show up. Just, oh, great show. Fantastic show. Love it. Um, my own, my, I didn't know if you'd bring up that or Martin Sheen's monologue to God. Oh, no, because I don't want to cry on camera. Um, and also, I don't know if you know all that Latin. I, I, I don't, but I could probably. I It was one of those, like, I'll just uh, 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 copy paste this right here. Uh, <laughs> um, so good. Uh, or like his entire monologue to the uh, lady who um, like has been outwardly speaking against homosexuals or the um, to the church group that sold that sent a doll to his daughter. Yes with a nail in its head oh dude so good like martin sheen is it's on so him. good he like and obviously i'm gonna give him a lot of praise in that show but like literally everybody in that show is on their a game and it's so great to watch when the president's um, in the room nobody <laughs> sits yes ah uh, um all right i'm gonna rattle off a couple flea bag and then we can move on to to uh <laughs> to, to movie quotes uh it 
it should surprise anybody that um, I'm bringing up Fleabag. It is easily, it was a show that I had been wanting to watch for a long time, uh, a few years ago, and I finally, finally watched it. And it is now one of my favorite shows I think I've ever seen. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, let's see. Um, don't make me an optimist. You'll, you will ruin my life. Um, oh, pe- people are all we've got. So grab a, the night by its nipples and go flirt with someone. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, chic means boring. Just don't tell the French. Um, and I said the, the last one I'll, I'll bring up is it's towards the end of the show, but it's during a wedding and there's a, a the priest that we've been getting to know throughout the entire show um who is played oddly enough by uh by the guy moriarty. That plays moriarty yep um he's who is consistently everything that i see him in he is absolutely incredible andrew scott's just the best so good um but his little speech he's giving like you know how like pastors give sermons um for you know that thing uh, that they do uh, de- well, during weddings, they give oh, their yeah, little yeah, sermon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's doing the doing his little blurb thought or whatever, and he's like, "So it turns out it's quite hard to come up with something original to say about love, but I've had a go. Love is awful. It's painful, frightening. It makes you doubt yourself, judge yourself, distance yourself from other people in your life. Makes you selfish. Makes you creepy. Makes you ob- obsessed with your hair. Makes you cruel. Makes you say and do things you never thought you would do." It's all any of us want, and it's hell when we get there. So it's no wonder it's something that we don't want to do on our own. And I was like, oh, dang, let's that's, go. That's really good. It's, dude, I can't like, I know I've recommended the show to you so many times, but like genuinely like sit down with, with Heather and just go through, I think it's like 10, maybe 10 episodes and it's only one season. And from what it sounds like, honestly, I don't think we need another season. Um, with how it ends, but um, Fleabag is so good, so 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 good. You got any more TV stuff? Nope. I uh, that is. Wait, let me double check just to make sure. Oh, I have one more. Uh, I don't have it all written out though because it's a great speech and it is. Excuse me, I have not seen the show, but I've seen the scene a whole lot. Um, I I have not seen Ted Lasso, but I have heard fantastic things about it. There is a scene where he is playing darts. And he does this. Does this? I know that speech, scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, the speech about being curious, not judgmental. Oh, so good. So, like, if they asked me anything, they'd be like, "Have you played a lot of darts, Ted?" Boom. Every Sunday like, since I was thirteen with my dad. Uh, until until he passed away when I was four. Like, oh, such a good. Yeah, there and apparently Ted Ted Lasso was covered in, in in monologues like that and so it just yeah I, I had to bring up ted lasso yeah i know there's a great ted lasso one about at first being scared of a dog and then that owner's original uh initially oh, yeah, died yeah, yeah, and so yeah, he yeah, adopts yeah. the dog and then eventually has to oh. put the dog down and you're just like this is supposed to be a funny show about a man that doesn't know soccer come on now yes. oh, oh so good so when it comes to movies i have not a lot of superhero stuff, actually, but I have some superhero stuff, some horror stuff, some action movies, believe it or not, some dramas, and some comedies. Where where are we going first here, Josh? Let's let's get let's get our action ones out of the way. So <laughs> this one, people might be surprised that I'm talking about this movie because the movie itself is not very good. But the movie is known for one line and one line alone because this line is so freaking good. From the movie Street Fighter, 
<laughs> okay. Do you know what the line is, Josh? I don't actually. So M. Bison, the main villain in this movie, he is talking to um I don't know the character's name. I think I think it's Chun Li, who's played by Mulan, essentially, in one of her yeah. earlier roles. Um uh, and so he's like being all cocky, what smug and whatnot. And so he goes, The day M. Bison came to your village was the most important day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. And I'm just going, jeez. Right? Cool. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's so good. Like, uh, that is straight up cold-blooded. Like, the movie's not great. But Raul Julia's just going, nah, man. This line will live forever. Because that's so cold-blooded. Um, also, this movie's not known for its dialogue. I still love it. Mission Impossible Fallout. I wouldn't say there's any lines that are particularly exceptional, but there's one that I remember when I first heard in the theater and every time since, I'm just going, oh, oh, okay. That catches me off guard because it's not where you think it's going. Uh, it's right before the Halo jump. Tom Cruise is talking to Henry Cavill's character and he's just giving him some advice. He's just going, um, and if you don't pull your parachute, the last thing that'll be going through your head is your kneecaps. And I'm going, yes, because <laughs> you think he's talking about something else. You're just going, oh, no. And in that moment, it's not Ethan Hunt talking to the character. It's Tom Cruise, who has done all of these jumps, actually telling you this is yep. what will happen if you don't listen. Going, that is a sharp, quick dialogue that if you're not paying attention, you don't fully grasp how savage yeah. and descriptive that is um oh where is it oh yeah my last action one is from this year and i believe we've already talked about it on the podcast john wick 4 you know Yay. a franchise known for its dialogue and in no way shape or form is it more just known for its action and violence i don't know man that's some dialogue from the first three that are pretty true pretty good but specifically, John Wick 4, there's one line that as soon as I heard it, I'm going, that is a line that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life because it's so well oh, written, so exactly, executed. Yeah. It is when John is hiding out at the, is it Osaka Continental? Yeah, the Osaka Hotel. Yeah. yeah. And so he tries to apologize to a friend. He's just like, I'm sorry I brought all this upon you, this unnecessary weight or whatever. And the, and the owner of the Osaka Japan uh, Hotel goes... Friendship means little when it's convenient. And at first mm. you're just like, that's cool. And then you really think about it, you're just like, dang, that, that really hits hard. Like, that's a great line. Because are you actually friends with someone if you're only there when it's easy? Like, yeah. This is from Sean Wick, the puppy killing movies. <laughs> okay, maybe not define it like that because it makes it sound like a kill a puppy in every single one. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that that was a oh, so John Wick has a lot of lines like that though, especially the especially the fourth one um, of the the whole discussion about what do you want on what, what you what do you want on your gravestone. Um, that's when he's just like a good husband. I was like, dang, dude. Okay, yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, Let's see uh, if we're talking action. Technically, I guess this is an action film. Um, the it's not about how 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 you get. It is not about how you hit speech in um, Rocky Six. I, I have I that just, one as well. I have that one in my drama. So it's not good. Action, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say it word for word because 
I honestly, the scene speaks for itself. Yeah, I know. I know it's a surprise, but I'm not I mean, going to do it. We both could say it word for word. I've, yeah. I've, there was a time when I literally knew it word for word. Um, oh, I, I just caught myself. I almost did it. Um, uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic one. Um, the, I don't think it's just, this will probably not be on your list, but it is a speech or at least a line from the speech that has stuck with me for so long. Um, but I'm not, I don't love Braveheart, but the speech at the end was like, they could take our lives, but they could never take our freedom. Like so good. Oh God. I don't go watch Braveheart (laughs) now. Um, to do my two horror ones um first of all because it's me we have to talk about halloween in some capacity of course um and the lines that just basically sell with the entire franchise of like what it should be at its core when dr loomis is talking to sheriff brackett and describing michael myers i saw this six-year-old boy blank um Staring at the wall, looking past the wall, looking through the wall, waiting for this night. And then the line always sticks with me. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. And you're just going, that. that's that. Put that on the poster. I don't care that it says the night he came home. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Put that instead. That. And then, you know, all the sequel movies blatantly show you his eyes through the mask. And I'll, love it. Love and then it. Halloween ends. It's just like, ah. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. So the eyes are what's magic. So what if he looks at another dude and that's what turns Corey evil? I'm like, shut up! That's not what that line means! Stop making bad choices with the Halloween franchise! But that line, how Donald Pleasance delivers it, <laughs> just perfect. Halloween will always make bad choices and I will still be unable to quit it. <laughs> we will always be here to support them. Um... Uh, uh, what about literally any th- line of dialogue that Anthony Hopkins says in Silence of the Lambs? Ooh, literally everything. He's got like 15, 15 minutes of, uh, of screen time, but like literally chews up all of the scenery every time. And some of the cops, too. <laughs> I'm having dinner with an old friend. Oh, so good. I'm having so an old good. friend for dinner. Oh, dude. Mm. Uh, do you um, have any other horrors? Because I have one that will segue me to my comedies. I really don't, actually. So, my other horror segues me perfectly to my comedy, so we'll do comedy next, because The Mummy fits perfectly for both horror and comedy, and if there's one line from The Mummy that my family still quotes to this day quite a bit, Hey, O'Connell! Looks to me like I got all the horses! Hey, Benny! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> I, every time I will always laugh because my family will stop whatever they're doing and quote that whenever it's on <laughs> and it'll pop up in just casual conversation. To me, it's not even that funny of a line, but it's just it works for some reason. Like, it's not necessarily the best written line. It's pretty straightforward, whether it's Brendan Fraser's delivery or the reaction of Benny afterwards just looking like a complete numbskull. That line just, it works for me. On the wrong side of the river. Uh, comedies now. Yes. 
we going to talk about airplane or not? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course we're going to talk about airplane. <laughs> do, you, do you have airplane? Oh, of course I do. What airplane line do you have? Uh, I, out of all the ones that I have, I have, I have, one. uh, yeah, I picked one. Uh, I'm, I am serious, but don't call me Shirley. That's it. That's <laughs> it. so good. So good. That's it. <sighs> the funny thing is we, we know somebody that says that a lot. And so whenever yep. they say it, we're making eye contact with somebody else because they immediately like our brains connect and just like, yeah, surely. And that third person doesn't realize they said it, but yeah. Yeah. Are you surely must be joking? No, are surely must be. You can't be serious. I am serious. I am serious. I don't, don't call me. Sure. There's so many good lines in airplane though. Um, There's that one. Um, or you like gladiator uh, uh, movies. <laughs> I, uh, I I picked the wrong week to quit to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> or I mean, to be fair, I don't know if that's the one that I was thinking of works as a line, or if it's physical comedy. Of oh man, I still have a drinking problem. Yes, so good. But that's not oh really the line. It's the no, what it's follows not. after it, or yes. you know, the one joke that can never go in today. Excuse me, I speak jive. <laughs> old lady comes. So gross. I hate that joke, but I love it at the same time. It like, only works. It only works because it's the uh, Brady Bunch mom saying it. It's the only reason it works. Um, or it's like, oh, here, what do you make of this? Oh, I can make a brooch. I can, I can make, make an airplane. I can, oh, it's so good. Gosh, I love airplane. The second one is okay. It's not as funny, but like, oh. Just like and the like the the way the way that they uh they turn phrases that we say all the time into jokes is mm, so good. Chef's kiss. What's another <laughs> comedy that you got? Uh oh, I mean, there's uh, uh <laughs> you, you you look pretty tonight, Denise. What I said, you look pretty. <laughs> From Hot what? Rod. Of course, Hot of Rod. course. <laughs> I'm gonna, Frank. I'm gonna get the money for that surgery, and we're gonna get you that new heart, and then I'm gonna kick your ass. That Ooh. sentence just sounds like Josh's humor in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, let's go with one that I know is not on Josh's list at all, because I I don't know if he's seen this one or not. I can't remember. One of my all-time favorite comedies. Better off dead, also known yeah, as yeah. absolutely a movie you can't make to this day, um, <laughs> because the premise is a dude's girlfriend breaks up with him, so he decides nothing's worth it anymore. So he tries to kill himself, but every time he tries, he chickens out, and as he's chickening out, something happens that makes the situation mm -hmm. worse. So like he tries to hang himself in the family's garage, and so as he's about to jump off the uh, step off the ledge, he's like, no. This is dumb. I have so much to live for. But then his mom opens the garage door and just knocks him off the thing. He starts hanging himself without her noticing whatsoever. Uh, but no, there's two lines in Better Off Dead that I'm always just like, perfect. It's better if you don't have any context for these. So I'm not going to give him because they're better out of context. Gee, Richie. Oh, not Richie. Ricky. There we go. Uh, gee, Ricky, sorry your mom blew up. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and then the line that you absolutely cannot put in movies nowadays, but still makes me laugh so hard every single time. It's a shame people be throwing away a perfectly good white boy. 
<laughs> movie's great. Or someone snorts snow. This is pure yeah. snow. I can't feel my right arm. He's moving his left arm. <laughs> you know what the street is value it, is of this mountain? Isn't is that the one with the kid that's like riding around? Two dollars. Uh, Two dollars. And then you've that's got the these, only quote I know from that movie. There's like these two Asian guys. One of them is the uh, bad guy from Karate Kid Two, um, Chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's two Asian guys that just drive around in this old station wagon that only really learn their English from Wide World of Sports and Howard Cosell. So they're just going, and this a most momentous of occasions. Lane <laughs> with his new car, can he win the race? And it's like. So ridiculous. And also, Dan Schneider is in it as an actor before, you know, he would go on to do Nickelodeon and other weird things. It's just weird to see, oh, Dan Schneider's in this as a creepy dude. Good to see him playing against type for once. <laughs> Got him. Screw Dan um, Schneider. Tech- mm, is this a comedy? Mm, kind of. Okay, I've got co- a couple comedy adjacents. Uh, they're like tradition, like they're. Uh, yeah okay comedy adjacents um you you would think holes is, is a comedy adjacent right like, no it's like, that's like a drama adjacent okay but it's very funny uh, i guess i don't know uh drama josh adjacent, loves fine. the misery of children i i do <laughs> <laughs> um uh okay uh okay then yeah i don't have any, any more comedies i've got okay I've got then i have one more comedy hit him National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, God. <laughs> and I have to stick to just two, because or else I would quote the whole movie. Uh-oh. Never mind. I'll go three. Crapper was full! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's great. Um, That cat had nine lives. He just spent them all. That one's great. <laughs> or my favorite, because it's so messed up and just so wrong. And that's why I love it. Ruby Sue, her eyes, they bent back to normal. She falls down a well, she, her eyes go cross. She gets buck kicked by a mule, they go back to normal. I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> just the right amount of wrong, and I love it so much. It's one of those annual right. traditions for my family. <laughs> I have seen it like once, maybe, and that's it. Uh, so you bring up that quote about a cat with nine lives transitions me into my first. Don't say nine lives with Kevin Spacey. Uh, No, we're going to talk about Puss in Boots and the Last Wish, baby. (laughs) Okay. Dude. First of all, I don't know how, sorry. I do know how you haven't watched this movie yet. Uh, It's on Peacock. I'll get around to it. I dude, It is so good. So good. The description I've, the, the best description of it I've seen is it's, um, Puss in Boots meets Logan. Uh, Because the body counts are about the same, oddly enough. Um, (laughs) So good. Uh, I mean, there's a lot I can choose from. I mean, like the the moment when the cricket finds out that Jack is 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 a terrible human, I'm like, you're an irredeemable monster. Well, yeah, it took you long enough. Bam. So good. Um, The one I want to talk about, though, is it's towards the end of the film um, is finally the face down between death and puss in boots and uh puss sits there and says like i know i can never defeat you lobo but i will never stop fighting for this life oh it's so good i i, I can't like or there's uh, i will get around to it i will it, 
there's there's stuff that um goldilocks says this super i yeah such a good movie um that just hit me with the cat the cats the nine lives one and i was like oh i can transition this (laughs) so i got two superhero ones before we finish out with the dramas because i think you know dramas is where they really focus on good script writing i mean Um, obviously good script writing is not typically associated with Zack snyder movies but man of steel has one of the greatest monologues of all time you know why because they just lifted it directly from a much better comic of All-Star <laughs> Superman. Uh, but that is Jor-El's speech that he gives to Clark of, you will give the people an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. You know, not that that's directly lifted minus like one or two sentence changes from all-star Superman. Um, it's still a fantastic line that promised good things for that Superman. And I still like Man of Steel for the most part minus, you know, Paul Kent advocating child murder and <laughs> the complete and utter destruction of Metropolis. You watch James Gunn will purposely have, Superman take out whoever the villain is somewhere else. I killed Josh. I was taking a sip of some water and you hit me with the child murder line. I'm <laughs> sorry, but Pocket absolutely <laughs> says he doesn't care about children. And us people like, no, no he, he says he doesn't know how he would handle the situation either. No, Pocket just straight up is like, I don't know. Let him die. It's fine. It's like, what was yeah. I supposed to do? Let him die? Maybe. No, Pa, that's the wrong no, answer. Social services, take move. this one away. That's <laughs> that's the wrong move there, Chief. Um, And then obviously, again, I need a button for this one because I mention this line specifically all the time. But we transition from Superman, the previous Superman, to the guy that will give us the new Superman, James Gunn, and the Suicide Squad. Mm, yes. No line from a comic book movie has ever hit me harder than the ending of the Suicide Squad. And Taika Waititi, of all things, as much as I will always hate Love and Thunder, I will always thank Taika Waititi for his delivery of this excellent line that I believe was still written by James Gunn. Uh, Ratcatcher and his daughter hang on top of one of the buildings. Forget where, somewhere in Paris, but she's trying to understand why he does what he does. Why rats, Dad? Because rats are the most lowly and despised creatures in the world. If they have a purpose, so must we all. And I'm just going, this is the same movie that has John Cena and Tidy Whitey's. <laughs> and a lonely shark man with no friends looking on longingly at a, a couple wishing he could be like them. Like, Ish. people seem yeah. to think the Suicide Squad is just, like, kitty humor and violence. Which it does have that. But honestly, it's the most heart of any of the DC movies, too. Of just, like, we're going to actually put some serious emotional weight into this um or in a broader context of the movie not like the best written but in the broader context of the movie peacemaker what a joke oh that's such a good line in the context of the movie but still the uh why rats has still like crawled in my brain like the rats to starro mm-hmm. and just stayed in my brain of going yeesh this, this is supposed to be a, this is supposed to be a goofy movie you're not supposed to just make me feel things like this Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Dude, the, the rat catcher line, the um 
the the um, peacemaker peacemaker pleading with with flag to just like just give me the thing so I don't have to kill you please please like ah oh. like don't make me do that so good Su- Suicide Squad is so good um, oddly enough I don't have any superhero movies on this just because some they're of them not always written the best no they're not uh, it, and I think maybe that's something that I small side note have enjoyed a lot about james gunn's uh brand of superhero movies is they like actually have good like good writing and good lines and stuff like that like it say what you will about volume three for guardians but there's some banger monologues in that movie um just gamora's outburst like i I don't want to spoil it too much because it just came out but like there's so many good Good, good, good lines in those movies. Um, and I'm really happy to... I'm so excited to have him up for, make DC movies now. Oh, let's go. Um, all right, let's start... Uh, since I guess I already mentioned it, I'll start off dramas with holes. Uh, you know, I'm tired, Grandpa. That's too damn bad. Yeah, see, easy. Boom, done. Uh, also, I can fix that. Come on. Oh. That is like the greatest, like... Oh, it's so good. I'll, I'll, I'll be like the young people. That's the greatest Riz of all time. I used it correctly, <laughs> right? Yes, you're 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 uh, you're, a co- you're like the kids now, Nathan. Well, to be um, fair, if Dule Hill said that to just about anybody, dude. it's Dule Hill, guys. It's Gus. We bring it full circle back to Psych, and even then, yeah. Psych had a holes reference once. Like they did the dinosaur episode, and they're just like, "What's that one movie with all the holes and Shia LaBeouf?" <laughs> and, then, and of course, Gus is the one that doesn't get the reference, which going eh, wink, wink, ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, no, holes is great. Uh, those are the ones that stuck out to me the most. I think though, if I, it, I'd probably have to go back and and rewatch. I need to go back and rewatch it. It's been a long time. So, how many more do you got? Um, because I have one, three. I have, technically I have three. Oh, why do you say technically? Because one of them's a grouping. Like a couple lines together? <sighs> like lines Just... from a movie series okay. that are hard to not talk about. How to Train Your Dragon lines? <sighs> Lord of the Rings lines. Because, oh. okay. <laughs> uh, like, like, come on, dude. Like, let, I'll, I'll start there. Let's just do that. I'll get those out of the way. Um. Because, like, uh, it's dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. Fantastic. Uh, it's not about... The, it's all All we have to decide is what we do with the time that is given to us. Oh, that mm, one's one of my favorites. So good. Uh, this, is, this is... There is good in this world, Mr. Frodo. It's worth fighting for. Uh, which is, like, a good line on its own, but it is a fantastic line for the, the pinnacle of, the, of the, the monologue that Sam gives right there. Um, personally uh, uh i i love the i can't carry it for you mr frodo but i can carry you um but i think one of the best ones that is absolutely one of the pinnacles of uh, of, of the movie series is uh oh, i never thought i'd die side by side by by an elf what about side by side with a friend i was like oh Oh yes, bring it on! So good. Well, I, I, I'd be remiss if we were gonna if we were gonna talk about movie lines. I could I had to bring up Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's so good. And then the whole "What is heaven like?" monologue. I won't go into that whole spiel again because I talked about that in our best movie speeches. But oh, that one always gets to me. Uh, we talk about Lord of the Rings a lot. Let's talk about one that I talk about a lot. I haven't talked about it in a little bit here, but I still talk about it all the time. Iron Giant, which there you, you know, go. 
you love it as a kid, you watch it now as an adult going, no joke, this could seriously be one of the best written kids movies of all time and one of the heaviest because I couldn't think of one line, so I would just went with two lines. Obviously, the most iconic line in the entire movie is, you are who you choose to be, which I'm just going, yes. that's such a, that's, that's the epitome of everything. I need an Iron Giant cameo and James Gunn Superman, please, because once again, I die on the hill. The Iron Giant is the best Superman movie we've gotten so far. Um, it's like you made a, move, a video about it or something. Yes, one of my better videos and better performing videos. So you all should check it out. Um, but no, that there's the you are who you choose to be. I remember that one as a kid. And that one is just iconic. But there's one that I didn't remember as much as a kid. And I watch now with an adult just going, this hits so hard. And does not belong in the rest of this movie with how mature and hard-hitting it is. It's after... um, It's after the giant has seen the deer get shot. And so they're mm. just chilling in the... In the um, not garage, in the junkyard. And Hogarth says, It's wrong to kill, but it's not wrong to die. And I'm just going... Hearing that from like a 12-year-old kid who, again, my own internal logic could be completely wrong, but I think his dad died fighting off in the war. Yeah. Because there's very much this like Cold War paranoia. I firmly believe that his dad died in battle. Like, there's there's probably a reason why they're renting out a room in that house. I don't think the dad left. I think he straight up died, which, you know... If there's a subgenre that Josh and I absolutely love for movies, it's <laughs> kids with missing dead dads, Big Hero 6, Treasure Planet, Atlantis, um, Iron Giant, <laughs> Brother Bear. Technically Tarzan. Um. <laughs> Tarzan. I mean, both his human dad and his ape dad yeah. guy. Yep. But oh man, yeah, the, the, the Iron Giant's good. I oddly enough do not have the iconic line for Trans Treasure Planet on this list. Um, you got the makings of greatness in greatness you. in you, and on that day I'll be catching some of the light becoming off you. Oh, so good. Uh, oh, you mean I love how I said I did. I don't have it on my list, but then I I have, I'll spread. have it instead. <laughs> or you know the classic line, "Go Delbert, go Delbert, go Delbert." That was go in Delbert. every oh. single one of the trailers to the point of just going. Stop it! Just stop. stop. It's not as and it, I love that it's it's like it's that line is like there and then gone. It is not even a big part of the movie at all. Oh, you mean um, like how they used Ben in all the marketing that Ben yeah. was going to be in a movie with a lot of Martin Short, and you're just like, well, if you've read Treasure Island, you know Ben really is not in the story very much. So why are you yeah, advertising this you thing? Be surprised at all. Like, <laughs> it's whatever. Morph was better anyway. Morph is the best boy. Um. I'm surprised we have, it's taken us this long to bring it up. Shawshank Redemption has some fantastic lines. Oh. Uh, I know it's one of your favorite movies. Um, I think the one I picked is easily one of the best. Uh, get busy living or get busy dying. Oh, I, okay. That's, uh, to me, one of the best lines of the movie. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but yeah. I know that's probably the most iconic one, but the one I always go mm -hmm. with is... Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. Mm. And no good thing ever truly dies. And I'm going, mm. Mm. Keep, keep preaching, Andy. And also, so I love, good. I think it's the Family Guy sketch where uh, Peter is Andy and, oh, Cleveland is red. Mm -hmm. And so he's just like, 
Remember, if we're ever going to break out of prison one day, we got to meet at the island of uh, Montenegro and whatever. And so fast forward a couple of years, Cleveland finds this the, the brick. Remember, we got to meet at that island I told you about. What was it called? <laughs> and so you come over to Peter just going, oh, oh, is that him? No, no, that's somebody else. Oh, is that him? Is that him? Oh, no. Like, I've always kind of wondered. That was a one-off conversation that they had. Ever since I saw my family guy going, yeah, they only really ever mentioned that once. What if Morgan Freeman did forget about what the place is called and just leaves Andy there? What if Morgan Freeman goes to, like, Mexico and, like, Costa Rica and all that? He's just wandering, wandering around South America. And, like, when he actually finds Andy is actually the result of, like, six months worth of searching. Like your directions were not very clear. Yes. Oh, great. Oh, so good. Um, this movie is absolutely a drama, but the line itself is comedic. I it's one of my all-time favorite movies, but I don't talk about it on the podcast enough. We talked about Aaron Sorkin earlier with West Wing. Mm-hmm. It should come as no shock. He wrote Moneyball, and I think Moneyball is one of the best written movies. That it's so well done. It's adapted from the book, and a lot of the dialogue is just ripped directly from the book. Uh, but there's one line that is in all the trailers that actually wasn't in the book, and it's the most iconic line from Moneyball that I still laugh at today. I'm going, I use this way too much in my everyday life. There are rich teams, and then there's poor teams, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that is applicable in a lot of situations. Yes, it is. As, you know, I'm a Rockies fan, and also a DC fan and also just life in general. If something's bad, just go with you. It's good. It's bad. 50 feet of crap. Then there's our situation right now. It's great. Yep. Never seen Moneyball. It's on the list. I think you'd really like that one. You don't need to like baseball to get it. Yep. I I think I would love it too. Um, All right, boss. I got one more. Same rock on what? uh, So this is uh, might surprise you might not. Um, It is, my favorite rom-com of all time um when harry met sally dang all right i know wow, you okay. i know you fair enough. fair enough uh yeah when harry met sally is easily one of my favorite favorite romantic comedies of all time it's the diner uh, scene isn't it no uh, no it, it is the line at the end when you realize that you want to spend the rest of your life with someone you you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible it's like ah. Uh, so good. There's a lot of really, really interesting lines in there, especially from um, Billy Crystal. He's insanely funny and effortly, effortlessly uh, entertaining in that movie. But yeah, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Mm, so good. That's a that is a very good line. Uh, I didn't intend for this one to go on last, but I think it it's a good closing out chapter. Um, next time, Josh. Is in my presence. I'm trying to think of a better way to pray, play that. Just next time I see Josh, I'm gonna. I have like a list of things. I'm just like, I need to force Josh to watch this. And one of them <laughs> is Ed Wood. <laughs> I'm just like imagining you like duct taping me to a chair and be like, it's like hostile. I know, <laughs> I know that we, you pay, got tickets to to HHN, but I tricked you. <laughs> And what? We're going to watch a live stream of HHN instead just to torture you. <laughs> it's like no. a, like a ro- uh, robot chicken. <laughs> no, I, I didn't intend to say this one for last, but I think it works as a closer. Uh, 
Ed Wood is easily my favorite Tim Burton movie by a wide margin. It's also probably my favorite Johnny Depp performance. And there's a lot of great lines in it that I think deserve honorable mentions. Like there's, uh, they're just filming randomly in the street and they see some cops and they're like, cops, we don't have a permit. Run! And I'm just like, ah, anybody that's made a low budget movie absolutely knows that feeling. Um, or, oh, what is it? I don't make movies. I make crap. It's like, does it have a script? It's got a poster. I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of great lines. Uh, that's dude, good. that's good. It's that's right up your alley. You would love it. Um, that, that yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but one one of my favorites is just going. It works as both the joke and completely serious. Filmmaking isn't about the tiny details. It's about the big picture. <laughs> like he's well, yeah, yes and no. How that works. <laughs> yes and no, and then. They actually do put some genuine emotion in Ed Wood when they want to. So visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? Mm. Mm, that's good. That is tasty. That's really tasty. Oh, say that again. Say that again. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? Oh, let's go. Yeah, Don't let your memes yeah. be memes. <laughs> No! My life is a meme! But yeah. It, it doesn't get talked about nearly as much nowadays that people talk about like Edward Scissorhands or whatever else. I think Ed Wood is easily Tim Burton's best. And I, I There's a lot to love on that. But what did you guys think? What are just your all-time favorite movie lines? They could be funny. They could be serious. They could be from movies. They could be from TV. Whatever your thoughts, let us know down in the comments below where it's like came from you guys. And if you haven't already, subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. And subscribe to us on the main YouTube channel. Help us get to a 1,000 subscribers. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.